Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. So here we are, week number four of Daniel. Has it been good? Are you reading Daniel? Are you finding life in the story of these guys and their lives and their challenges as they face and engage a world as they are exiles in a foreign world under evil kings? That's who we are. That's who we are. We are just exiles. We are those who are of heaven. We breathe the atmosphere of heaven in our lungs, and yet we live it out on earth amongst real life stories, amongst people who, who are where, where JSC markets are up and down because men and women have, have these desires that are driving bad decisions, where people are running and doing crazy things at Christmas parties and doing all these things. God says, I want you to walk a road, young men, older men, older women, wherever you find yourself in life, single people, I want you to walk a road where Jesus will be seen in and through your life. Why? Because the world is watching us worship. And our worship isn't on a Sunday from 9 till about 25 to 10. That's not worship. That is part of our worship. It's a privileged part of our worship where we gather as the saints. But my worship is every morning. It's every day as I drive. It's every hour that I give to my bosses to serve them. And the way I honor them and the way I work, it's a challenge. And actually this, this amazing um, book calls us to that story to say, actually, we want to live lives that aren't sheltered, we don't hide away. We want lives that impact those around us so that the world would see Jesus in and through his sons and daughters. And so we gather, we gather on Sundays. And you know what? We do, we, as we gather here at nine o'clock, part of us, Life Changes, gathers at 10 o'clock. Sometimes you might see me shoot out, and I will do it today. Please don't think I'm rude or I don't like people. So the pastor preaches and leaves. I do know some of those pastors, by the way. They're my friends. And, um, but he's uh, <laughs> answer his phone. And then the phone rings while he's talking on it. That gets awkward. And um, I'm not one of those, I promise you. But we, we, in, in faith, we've said, God, you want to increase us and you want to get people saved. So Gabe and them meet with an amazing crew and it is bubbling with life. I would just encourage you, it's teeming with life. People are getting saved. Great stories of young men and women finding Jesus from difficult situations. And so about six or seven times a year, I'll leave here straight and go preach there, which I'll do today, just as we're building one church and remaining together. Is that all right? As we're on our mission together. But, um, but actually, this amazing series challenges us and calls us to so much. And I'm so excited to preach Daniel 6 today. But can we read from the Bible together? Is that all right? Will you stand with us? I know this is like, hey, Mark. No, I've, trust me, I've been doing manual labor for two days. I have so much respect for manual laborers. My forearms, I've been working one of those um, compactors. I wasn't made to work a compactor. I feel like someone's been digging nails in my forearms for two days. Anyway, to the Bible, it's more important. Can we have scripture, verse 1, please? It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one who was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them, so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was, tr- he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor ne- negligent. 
Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, my king Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and basically all the Manos have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went outside, got grumpy, and complained on Hello Peter. Sorry, no, hold on. Now he went on kingdarius.com and... No. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he has done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. And so they carry on and and he brings Daniel to him. And we're going to jump to verse 16. As they bring Daniel before the king and the king says, So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. He brings him before the king. And Daniel says, actually, how can I not worship my king? And he continues. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. That's a a wicked king who doesn't believe in God. Praying and, and saying, may your God rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. An impossible situation. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel's answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty." The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found in him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and and reverence the God of Daniel. This is the king. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I mean, how is that? Thank you, God. Why don't you take your seats? And a few points from this amazing scripture. 
It's an amazing thing as you follow the journey. He's, this is his fourth king now that he's serving, his fourth wicked, evil king. Nebuchadnezzar was his first nemesis and challenge, and he ends up ministering to him. He ends up having encounters to him. He, Nebuchadnezzar's own vision comes true, and he loses his kingdom. New kings come in, and now we get to King Darius. And all of a sudden, in, in chapter 5, you see actually Daniel is taken out of his high position in high court, and he's taken out of that role. And in chapter 6, it says a new king comes in, and that new king doesn't want to suffer loss. So he puts Daniel as one of the three heads over 120 governors. There's the king, and then three guys. One of them is Daniel. He's an exile. He's a foreigner. He shouldn't be in that role. He shouldn't have that authority. And yet through his journey, for some reason, after four kings, he's still standing. He's still holding his ground. He's still worshiping Jesus. And he's still a high, high official in the king's government. And says, actually, the king wanted to place him over all. How does that happen, guys? See, we can pray prayers and we can do a million things. But the book of Daniel, chapters 1 to 6, gives us a whole bunch of ideas on how this happens. And the highlight of this is, is not just actually that, that there's this lion story. I want to give you point number one. It's the long game. And I, in my creativity this morning, spelt long like that. But you know what the challenge in most of our walks? It's not will God do it, it's time. Timing. Timing is everything. Why isn't happening now? I prayed on Wednesday. It's Sunday. God, where are you? Where is my wife? No, that's some of my mates. I'm, not, I'm just pointing anywhere. Um, but sometimes it's the healings we've been praying for. Sometimes it's the salvations of friends. Sometimes it's the promotion. Sometimes it's the breakthroughs and healing and, and all these things we work with. And sometimes it's just the freedom from some trial and challenge and a tough boss. Where are you, God? You know the amazing thing about this guy, Daniel? Daniel was 15 or 16 years old when he was taken into exile. 15 or 16. And then the commentators do the timelines with the different kings because you know what happened? Time actually happened. And by the time this story happens, Daniel's probably 80 to 81 to 83 years old. 67 years he's been in exile. 67 years he's served foreign kings. 67 years he's held his attitude to be able to walk into positions of profile. 67 years he's held his faith in God that in every response he'll worship and it's his everyday habit. 67 years he hasn't backed down to the pressures. Oh, why don't you just do a little bit of this or do a little bit of that? 67 years he's held onto the promises of God. 67 years he gets before his open window and he prays towards Jerusalem where he would long to be. But God has him in another place serving a foreign king. Why? So that the king of glory might get a foreign king to worship him. 67 years. If we want to be disciples of Jesus, point number one, it's about the long game. I'm 39 years old. I've worshipped God for 25 years, but I've only just begun. I want to worship God more passionately in my 80s and my 90s and my 130s because I'm trusting for a great life. <laughs> but I want to be a passionate worshiper of Jesus. I want to hold lines that others can't hold. Why? Because the Spirit of God is inside of me. And in the book of Acts, there's one street. It's straight streets. It's the straight where we worship Jesus. It's not a prudish road and it's not a hideaway road. It's a road exposed to the world where my light is shining to the world. And the world can actually impact, but deep inside it cannot touch. What's deep inside? There was something inside of this guy, Daniel, that stood for 67 years under oppression. 
under foreign kings who would have hated him in the natural, under the pressures, and, and, and just figure out these other pressures. He had privilege. He would have had people throwing themselves at him, swooning him, trying to get opportunities in the land. And yet the Bible says he held this line for 67 years, and I'm challenged by that. It says, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that, that the king planned to have him rule over the whole kingdom. Imagine that. See, the king had been suffering loss, and he gets this guy, Daniel, sees something in him, he says, that guy. He, he served under Nebuchadnezzar. He was honest enough to tell the king his dream and interpret it that would ultimately end in that king's demise. I want an honest man to work for me. You know who your boss wants? Your boss wants an honest man or woman to work for them. Your boss wants an integrous man or woman to work for them. Your boss is looking for it. You want to be employable. You want to be blessable. Be someone who your boss knows, I won't suffer loss with this person. Someone phoned me for one of the young men in this church. He found out he was part of this church, and he phoned me. He said, you're the pastor of that church. Tell me about this young man. I said, sir, I can't promise you he will take over the world in every regard, but I promise you he will serve you, and I promise you he will honor you, and I promise you you will get integrity from this man. I want to be able to say that for every young man who sits under the word of God. I want to say that for my boys. I want to say that, have people said that of my own life. And the Daniel challenge is really, will you faithfully trust God, dot, 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 with patience? It's hard, eh? Some things you pray for for a long time. Long time. You don't see it. And yet I know God. God is the one who heals eyes. I've seen him heal ears. I've seen him heal the most broken of hearts. So I keep trusting him. 67 years, 167 words, doesn't matter. I'm going to get an eternity with Jesus. I love the book of Daniel. Been so humbled recently as I've taken on this um, on this DIY project at home, which really I'm clueless about. And thank the Lord for YouTube and a man named Moses, not the Bible Moses, another man named Moses who is a Malawian man who comes to my house once every couple of weeks. He's dressed impeccably. And uh, he came to our house because our neighbor's garden looked so good. We had no garden. I said, who does your garden? He says, this guy Moses. I keep trying to tell him what to do, but he's much better than me, so I've stepped away. So Moses works in his garden, and now Moses works in our garden. I start meeting Moses. I start hearing more about Moses, who dresses impeccably every time he comes to work in our garden help us. And we start doing this project, and he's calling the shots. I'm holding the compact. He's telling me, go this way. I'm like, yes, Moses. Yes, Moses. I'm like, everything inside of me is still going like this. But Moses is a qualified man. He could do a lot more in work in gardens, but because of legal systems and situations, as his family still lives in Malawi, Moses comes to my garden. You know what he does on a Sunday? Exactly what I do. He preaches the gospel in the area of the noon. And um, I'm processing. I've never seen that man grumpy. Never. I've never seen him have attitude with anyone. I've never seen him dress less than impeccably. His shoes are shined to the max. 
And I'm going, God, that's it, Daniel, who's in a foreign land, under oppressive systems, not giving him opportunities. And I'm sure some people are paying wages that he just deserves much more. And I'm going, make me like that man. Because he's a sign and a wonder that gives me courage to keep working every time I start feeling sorry for myself a little bit because of whatever. I'm going, Moses is a Daniel in this generation as he preaches the gospel. And then I said, Moses, we need help. And he starts bringing his friends and they start talking about Moses and telling me about Moses is this guy. And I'm going, that's the guy who's been working in my garden I didn't even know. I'm not saying this to boast. I'm telling you, I'm I'm challenged. I'm challenged. And this book has to challenge us. Second part that we've got to get on to is most Daniel had healthy habits. Do you have healthy habits? He had this habit of prayer that was just usual for him. As I read the scripture, now when Daniel learned that the degree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem three times a day, got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. If it hadn't have had that just as he had done before, I would have thought he's being a little bit petulant. He's being a little bit showy. He's like, I'm going to do my first day of quiet time and I'm going to sit on the street corner reading my Bible because this is my first day of quiet time. No, it doesn't quite hold the same authority as this as he had done before. For year after year, for 67 years, he'd opened the windows towards Jerusalem and prayed to the living God in a foreign land. See, he wasn't being petulant, he wasn't being showy, he wasn't trying to offend anyone. He was just doing what he did. And the amazing thing is, we've got to, and, and challenge, I'm so challenged by believers and, and presence, and even things like social media, I, I, it has great opportunity for the gospel. But we've got to stop being so obsessed with not being like the world, that we give all our energy to not being like the world, rather than giving all our energy to being like Jesus. It's not the same thing. If we're spending so much energy, I'm just not like the world. I'm so different. Look at me. Or I want to be like Jesus. I want to give my energy to that. I think there's fruit in that. I think there's life in that. I think there's kingdom advancement in that. And I want to give my energy to that. See, just like Jesus, I'm not going to be on this earth forever. I'm going to be with him for eternity. But I want to maximize my time here. For him. And Daniel had this habit. And, and a habit of daily prayer. And what you see is Daniel's prayerfulness was his secret to his power. So I sit with people all the time. And how do I break through? Well, don't ask me. Ask Daniel. He just prayed every day. And then says, if, if, you, if, if you saw him as great and you see people as great, it's because actually God was great inside of them. 67 years praying. It says he went to his house. Straight away, went to his house. He, he was in the habit of praying three times a day. Not once a day, not twice a day, three times a day. Understand, this is the second tier of government, of authority. He's a busy man. He's also 80 years old. You kind of think, well, you've banked a lot of prayer, Daniel. Why don't you just take a break for a little bit? No, as he was in the habit of every morning, every lunchtime, and every evening, he would pray. It's a challenge. Is it a challenge to you? I self-justify, oh, I've got three kids and they're so alive and I, I'm sure Jesus understands. I actually, I know he understands. He's got many more kids than me. His kids are far naughtier than mine. And, and, but he just went and he just prays for three days 
And it says, as he'd been in the habit of doing, and even the opening the window had nothing to do with him being showy. It was just what he did. Jerusalem was where his heart is. Jerusalem was where the temple was. And he was crying out to the living God. That's what he did. What are your habits? What are your healthy habits that bring life? And how do you do that? Number three, as we step into this, is actually, you want God to give you profile? Well, accept this. Don't understand it or justify it or accept that the world will be watching and they're looking for gaps to take him down. It says at this, they tried to find ground to take him down for affairs or conduct. said they could find no corruption in him. What a great testimony of a government official. I'm not being cheeky, I'm being honest. What an unbelievable testimony of a government official who probably had a million opportunities to do a deal. A million opportunities. They couldn't find one. Not one. Sir or ma'am in your marketplace. As targets are in line. But if we could just... I, I sat in a meeting once as a ju- junior marketing guy and I went into a meeting and the guy sat in front of another guy and said, if you buy this product from us, in February, we'll, you can sell it back to us at the higher price. This is the higher price. So we get our sales targets. You can get your targets, and you can make a profit on when we buy it back from you. It's white-color fraud. Just telling you. Why? To chase a shareholding agreement. Or some... Don't do it. Just don't do it. Leadership is influence, not just position. It doesn't matter if you are the person who serves tea in your office. Do it for 67 years with a smile on your face. Love people, preach the gospel, and I promise you God will give you influence. It's the nature of the gospel. But understand this, people are watching. People are watching. I want to say number four, there's a higher law. A higher law than the law of this earth. There's the law of heaven. And it might be asked, should Daniel not have obeyed the king? Aren't we supposed to submit ourselves to government authority? Isn't that what the Bible says? Pray for them, submit yourself to them. And I would say that certainly kings are to be respected and governments are to be respected. But any law of man that infringes upon the law of God, I cannot submit myself to. Why? Because of every song we sang this morning. That the highest authority in my life is not a government. The highest authority in my life is not a a king. The highest authority of my life is the king of kings. And we are entering into days where we are going to be challenged more and more with this stuff. In the way we live life and the way we encounter the world and our response to, to represent the king of kings. We're going to have to face up to some stuff. The days of the Daniel generation are ahead of us, not behind us. And God is calling a people to have this resilience, to have this strength deep inside. And I'm telling you, strength only comes by the word of God in our hearts and and in our souls. And it only comes by the spirit of God upon us for 67 years. Read this. Should not a man take care of his life? Life is valuable. Should he run such a risk? Remember that if a man were to lose his soul in order to save his life, he would make a wretched bargain. If a man lost his life to save his coat, he would be a fool. And a man who loses his soul to save his life is equally a fool and more so still. It's a challenge. The Daniel story is a challenge to us because there will be days, times, and moments where we have to stand against kings. It might be bosses in the marketplace. I won't do that deal. I won't chase that thing. I won't do that bribe. And yet God is saying, I'm with you. Were the lions real? 
If you're listening to me and you're saying, Mark, lovely story. I love the analogy of the lions. I think you'll miss it. If you put yourself as Daniel, an 81 to 83-year-old man who'd served the foreign nation for 67 years and gets thrown into a pit with hungry lions that rip children apart, as it tells us later in that scripture, then we get the reality of this story. And we understand that actually it demands a lot of us. It's calling a hard place. But I want to make statement number five. And actually, this was what I wanted to call the series, the safest place. Because Daniel gets thrown amongst a pit of hungry lions. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego got thrown into a fiery pit. The safest place we can be, where there are lions of fire, is with our God. Worshipping Him, praising Him, giving Him glory as we've done every day. It's the safest place. People are crying out for safe places and they're throwing themselves into love relationships because they think it's a safe place and they get ripped away from them. They go, how did that happen? No, there is only one perfectly safe place. It's in the presence of the living God under Him, His authority, with His life upon my life. And as I've, whether I've got lions in front of me or a fire pit in front of me, the safest place I can stay is in the grace and the goodness and the authority of Jesus Christ in my life and the Father. Spurgeon says this, men have declined to carry a light burden and been constrained to bear a far heavier one. They have fled from the bear and the lions and the lion has met them. They have sought to escape from the serpent, but the dragon has devoured them. To, th- to shrink from duty is perilous. To demoralize yourselves in demoralized times is a desperate alternative. Better go forward. Better go forward. Better, I say, even though you may have no armor, the safest thing is to go on. Even if there are lions in front of you, it is better to go ahead. For if you turn back the stars in their courses, if you turn back, the stars in their courses will fight against you. What's he saying? He says, actually, you think the lion's bad? Walking this way that looks safer, there is an enemy, an eternal enemy that is pulling down. He says, face the lion. Just as David faced Goliath, face the lion and face Goliath because your God is with you. Not some pep talk of church, but the promise of the gospel. Our safest place, David in a battlefield, Daniel in the den of hungry lions. You're facing financial challenges right now? Let God be your safe place. Allow his order to come into your life. You're facing emotional challenges. Christmas is a terrible time, a lonely time for many, many people. Allow God to become your safe place. Throw yourself into Him, feeling exposed in your sin right now. You know what? You don't know what I did this week, Mark. You don't know what I did this last month. No, I I don't know what you did, but your safest place and your eternal safe place is in Him. Run to Him. Find safety in Him. A safe place is not a bank account, a counselor's chair, or a person's loving embrace. It's God. Psalm 46 says this. God is our safe place and our strength. He is always our help when we are in trouble. So we will not be afraid, even if the earth is shaken and the mountains fall into the center of the sea. And even if waters go wild with storm and mountains shake with its action, there is a river whose waters may clear the city of God, the holy place where the Most High lives. God is in the center of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning comes. The people made noise. The nations fell. He raised his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of all is with us. The God of Jacob is our strong place. That's who we are. 
It's what God cries out and he's calling us to. Understand the context of this as a king, King Hezekiah of Judah, and surrounded by an army. Three, four different armies, and over 200,000 of their residents have been taken captive, and he is in a no-win situation. And he cries this out, and he declares this out as they are surrounded, and he prayed, and God spoke, and in one night, the Lord defeated this guy. I'm trying to say his name, Sennacherib, killing 185,000 opposition. I don't know about you, and I don't know about your story, but I know for that lady who got prayed for yesterday, who can read today, she believes in a God who can kill 180,000 enemies. And, and this book of Daniel has to cause a response to us, has to cause us to live a life that looks different, because the safest place for me and my family is in the will of God. Make decisions that are irrational to the world if they are God's world, God's word for your life. Keep making those decisions and allow him to breathe his life and his grace and his joy upon us. The safest place for your kids is in a family that are walking lives of faith and trusting him going forward. So what does this look like as we land this series? You're in a tough place of work? I would say don't automatically run. Don't spend your next 67 years praying for God to take you into a new place of work. Pray that God would give you influence there, where he's got you. Pray that he would give you opportunity and strategies to save jobs, strategies for your, 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 whoever your boss worships, that that boss would become wealthy because of the strategies you give him. Is that, is that offensive to you? I think that's the gospel. Our businesses should be blessed because we are there. And struggling with people around you, well, hold the line and know who you are. Don't self-justify. And so what we end up doing is we self-justify. So we try to make other people look bad. And we're calling out their sin and we're calling out. No, actually, understand, we're all sinners. We just have the grace of God washing over us and they don't right now. And when we live in that space, we can impact, we can change, and we can see kingdom come. Heaven coming on earth. And stop trying to hide from the world. It's not our job. We aren't those who hide and bunker away for a safe day when our Savior returns. If we can just get enough supplies to last until then. Don't hide. And my last point is this. God's man always prospers. The last verse. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Most commentators would say that's the same reign, it's the same king, it's the same area as they understand this. But Daniel prospered under foreign kings. He prospered under oppressive rulers. How is that possible? Mark, that's just mumbo jumbo. Now let me give you Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever. No, Mark, you don't know my boss. No, whatever. No, you don't know the context. No, whatever. No, you don't know my president. Whatever. No, you don't know my wife. No, whatever. Why? Because it's the word of God. It's the promise of the word of God. And Daniel knew this and he had it so deep inside of us that he could stand. I want you to prosper. And here's what you've got to know. He wants you to prosper. And sometimes it's going to look tough. And sometimes it's going to mean facing up to lions. It's going to mean facing up to fires. But on the other side of those journeys, 
there is a prospering line. That people around us will look and they will have evil kings chasing after this man, hoping what king gets up early out of his bed and his silk sheets to go and see if the guy lasted the night with the lions. What king does that? No, a king who's looking for a king. And when we become men and women who kings can look to, to find the king, I promise you we will live lives of adventure, and we will live lives and we'll see the power of God in our lifetimes. I want to see the power of God in my lifetime through my life. I love church, but I can't spend my life just doing church. I want to see the kingdom of God advancing at every level. And we keep doing church. We keep reaching out into different areas. We keep giving irrationally. Who gives away eighty to 90,000 rand? In economic recession times, it doesn't make sense. And yet God's saying, I want to do more and more in and through this community. A Daniel generation, bringing glory to God in the toughest times. I want to read that quote again. I despaired at the thought of my life might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on my behalf. I don't want to get 50 years down the line and go, God, if only I'd made that one decision. I had one opportunity when I was 16 years old, to read the word of God in front of my school. I found an excuse not to do it. I regret that moment to this day. But I've got to get back up. I've got to keep preaching and I've got to keep speaking. At my 10 year, my 20 year, my 50 year reunion, when we're all old and very overweight and we walk in, what have you done with your life? Well, I've done this. I've played a lot of golf. I've done this. Actually, I've worshiped Jesus and he wants you. Can I pray for Can we stand at the end of this series one more time? If you're a visitor, please join us afterwards. And I'll be shooting to Millie's, if that's okay. Milnerton. If you want some of this Daniel resilience, why don't you lift your hands to him because I, I need it. And it's only by your spirit, God. So we come this morning. As we've prayed with men and women from the Middle East and countries where... Your church is basically illegal. And we stand in this nation where we get to worship you freely, God. I pray, put something of a resilience, a Daniel spirit inside of each and every one of us. I pray, God, that we would put such a steel inside of bones today for this season to preach your gospel, to keep worshiping and just do what we do because of who you are, how faithful you have been and how faithful you will be. That one, one eye opened to your glory and one eye opened in the natural to read. We say, God, do it again, do it again, do it with Jen. I pray this week that she would lay hands on those struggling to see again and she would see more healings, God. And so we say, thank you, God. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. We say there is none like the living God. There is none so mighty, none so great, none so glorious as you, King Jesus. So be exalted, we pray, and have all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. We worship you, King Jesus.